welcome to the glory in our stories. On this episode, we'll be speaking with Rula. say welcome to episode 34 of the glory in our stories uh today i'm speaking with uh local artist uh Rula. he's a hip-hop artist yo 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 and um i've known him for a very long time um me and his uh his brother go way back to middle school and um i think it was i didn't know he had a younger brother until i went to go visit him and um he was uh, he was a lot of fun. Typical, mm-hmm. typical younger brother. Always wanted to be around us, older cats. And um, then all of a sudden, he grew up, and now and he's a grown man now, and he's making big moves, making big decisions. And um, I really wanted to, because uh, I had an opportunity to sit down with him a couple of years ago. This was for a class project yeah. it was a uh, it was it was a podcast project and we had to uh, interview I personally chose to interview some local artists and he was the first one that popped in my head um, when I think of artists I I like to figure out the why opposed to just the what because um, we all are aware of what what they're capable of doing but I wonder if we ever take the time to figure out, okay, why is it that they do what they do? Or why did they choose this uh, medium or, or this source to illustrate um, how they feel or what's going on in their mind or their response to a local or um, issue that may be going on, something that be going on in the, u- in the news that may be reflecting that. But um, a ruler came back from uh, Texas, was that right? That's right. And um, I, I haven't seen him in a couple of years at that point. But when he came back, he was like, hey man, I, I rap. I was like, okay. So he started spitting, and I was like, man, would have never thought. <laughs> yeah. Would have never thought, man. And and it was through his, his music um, that I started learning more about his personal journey during those years I wasn't around him. Um, him and his brother always had a, a very close relationship. I always admired it because no matter what, they always had each other's backs and they were always there for each other and I really, really appreciated that. And um, we experienced certain um, life-changing moments together um, but I had the privilege of watching uh, this young man grow into the uh, individual that he is today. So, uh, first of all, I want to thank you, uh, Ruler, for your time. Thank you, man. Thank you. I do appreciate that. And um, But before we start, I always ask uh, this first question. Um, as far as your childhood, were you, where were you born and, and what was that like? I was born in El Paso, Texas. Uh, February the first, nineteen ninety-three. From what what I've always been told that the hospital's call was Thompson, the Thompson Hospital, but we, they would always refer to it in Spanish, El Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
I remember my childhood when I was living in Mexico. When I was young, when I was real little, I remember the times when my parents were either jumping aboard or we were constantly coming back and forth or going to family. But it was very, I guess, vague. It wasn't too vivid because I ended up here in Augusta, Georgia, but that came later down the road. It was Thompson, Georgia, which is where we, you know, I think that's where we all met. Mm -hmm. And I can remember a lot of my childhood being in Thompson, Georgia. It's being in Mexico, there's just like scenes or images and, you know, just a certain, certain like smell that'll just bring back that memory from when you were young or what it was like to be in Mexico. But I think it was crazy because the whole family kind of seemed to migrate at one point. So like the whole family that was in Mexico at one point was like here in Thompson. So it was like, you know, with the family still being around just in a different area, it didn't feel too unfamiliar, you know? Everything felt good, but as soon as, you know, life carried on and people started making decisions and family just like, you know, they got, they go their way. Mm-hmm. And after that happened, you know, people grow up. I guess we grow up and, I mean, you don't have family around. Now, like I know when me and my brother got split up, he stayed up, he stayed here. But that was because he was, I guess, old enough to make that decision for what he wanted. And I didn't have a decision at the time. You know, my mom wanted me to go with her. But that was somebody who was looking after me here. You know, my brother being the biggest influence or the one that was always kind of like, you know, taking me under his wing because moms was all we had at the time. So she's taking care of both of us, trying to keep the lights on, working two, three jobs. Most of the time she's either asleep and we gotta let her sleep or it would be getting fussed at and you don't ever wanna wake your mom about <laughs> her sleep. Yeah. You know, especially when she's working hard. And then I guess I was a troubled kid. I think I would say I was a troubled kid, especially through all my uh, school years. I do remember that. That's one thing that I've always remembered. School was always this platform in a sense, now that we, now that I guess we look at it. But grew up in Thompson, and then my adolescent, I guess from, from my adolescence to my youth was probably when I moved to Texas. How many years was that? I was from 13, I was 13 to 17, 18. Moved back when I was about 18. And then, yeah, I would say from 13 to 18 years of age. And what what finally made things come to that decision to say, hey, I think it's safe for me to move um, back east? Well, it, well, you think it, how, you said it's safe for me to move back east? Is that how you asked it? How did yeah. you ask it? Well, at the time, it was the best decision mm-hmm. because I, what I was involved in what I was doing and the road that I was heading in was probably not the best. You know, you know, I probably would have ended up like majority of my friends or the people that I grew up with and 
they were dropouts. You know, I had a friend who dropped out. He didn't ever make it to high school. He dropped out in middle school. He, uh, you know, and all of them dropped out. It was crazy. You know, and then I ended up, like, losing friends and hanging out with different people. And it wasn't friends that were, like, you know, real. It yeah. was just, we was there to, all for one thing, which was either drugs or whatever it may be. It was, you know, it was like a just a passing by. That's how, I, that's how I look at it. So doing those few years, because I'm certain you were still in contact with your brother. Like, how was that? Was he um, was he able to add to add anything to your life during those few years to help you keep going despite what was going on? To an extent, yeah, I do remember the times that when we first was talking, you know, it kind of carried. It was crazy because it kind of carried on, kind of like a similar relationship with my dad. Because I remember my dad in my very early childhood being there at one point in time. And then throughout the years, you know, it would be them phone calls on the Christmases or birthdays or, you know, and then next thing you know, it just fades and it goes to times which y'all don't even talk. So that's kind of what happened whenever I was first out there. Me and my brother was like staying connected. He was always trying to tell me what was going on because I would always come and visit every summer. Mm -hmm. So he would tell me, you know, he would try to keep me in the loop of like the friends that he had going on and the people that he was trying to get and surround himself with which were always good people, you know, strong individuals, like-minded individuals. And I was always wanting to know in the music, I guess, the music thing was what was going on at the time. And it had always been, which is kind of crazy. But I remember he would always send me, like, new new music that was coming out because Atlanta being one of the hubs, it was like getting, gets a lot of the, newest hottest music you know before anybody mm -hmm. and we were delayed we were delayed like at least a good week or two before we would receive anything like 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 dang they would already be like the east coast was hearing all of this new stuff and then we would be lit. like texas music was way different texas music had its own type of music compared to west coast and everything but it was slowed up, which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so which, if you had a preference, what would you prefer or you just have an open mind when it comes to your taste of music? I don't know. I, I try to, I would probably say I would have a preference, but at the same time, it would kind of be like, maybe it's also an open mind because I, I listen to what's like, you know, trendy or what sounds relevant. And like, you know, you want to not portray that image but you know you want to okay you want people to kind of listen to what you're saying without sounding boring or all out of style or something so you know you got to have some type of flavor per se yeah. sauce <laughs> I would say I just I just realized that they I was watching a basketball clip and the commentator said oh look at all that he got so much sauce <laughs> so what I know this kind of tells my age. What does that mean? What's the uh, slang term for that? What's the uh, definition? Because I'm just not hearing that. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just, it's crazy because whenever I was listening to somebody explain it, they were basically talking about, it's it's kind of like style, you know? You mm -hmm. have this certain demeanor, this certain air about you. But 
it's not something that's just it, like the the question that was being asked to the individual was like can you have like are you born with the sauce and he was answering no you can't you know you have to be seasoned mm. so that was very like you know I like that you ha- that was powerful yeah it was like you have to be seasoned so you know at times we don't or we're not seasoned or we're not in a position to be seasoned so sometimes trying to realign or get priorities back and straight can help with what you have to do and that kind of goes back to I guess self-care per se so doing your seasoned process between um, you coming back from Texas and now that process into manhood like how was that for you like are there any key moments that you can remember or can you obviously see yourself a lot different now than you were before? Most definitely, most definitely. Uh, I guess a lot of pain, a lot of scars, suffering, you know. Not necessarily like in the like desperate need, but, you know, just everyone goes through things in life, you know. Some people go through horrible things that you don't ever want to go through, you know. And, you know, we're, we're blessed. We're really blessed. But, you know, it's just things that you wish you didn't have to experience or, like, you know, pain that's just, like, you don't know why it's there or you don't know that it's pain. And you, what you're doing is because, you know, these cycles or these habits that you've got, you know, you're trying to wonder why. And in, in all reality, it's because it's a way that you've managed to calm this pain or not feel this pain, in, yeah. a, in a sense. That was, um, I was listening to a clip um um, Terry Crews was talking about an addiction he had, and the f- phrase he used specifically was, it medicated me. Mm-hmm. And I can see us, as typical men, using certain devices to medicate us. Um, but would you say that music medicated you in a way, or was it something else at that time? No, I think it was music. I think it was music, most definitely. And... I've always, you know, questioned or wondered why I couldn't, you know, because there's, there's individuals who are like, you know, they have the drive, they have, like, they have everything, like, you know, you compare something that, you know, is, that we do, we critique ourselves or we try to compare ourselves, but, you know, you like, man, I wish I could be here, and it's a good thing, and then it's also a bad thing, because if it's, the bad thing would be that, you know, you compare yourself and you're just down. And you're like, man, now I don't want it. Like, you know, I'm not going to do this. The good thing would be if I look at this as a challenge, you know, if he can do it, I can do it. I can, I'm, I'm going to try to do it harder. So, you know, surrounding yourself with people who can take a certain type of challenge without being, you know, put down. Or if they are put down or able to talk about it, it really helps. So you can, you know, well, let's, let's figure out what what's, what's the root of this. Mm-hmm. So whenever... I was listening to the music at that time. I might have been in this state where, you know, I was fooling myself or, you know, lying myself, but I guess everything happened the way it did and I look at back at everything and I was like, you know, at that point in time when we was in Texas, the the thing was the music. Everybody was trying to do the music thing, like the music scene and I would never think that I would be like best friends with one of the dudes who had his studio and then we were always there trying to work, you know, and seeing the 
older pe- the older kids or the people who were really trying to make something out of it. And looking back at it now, it's like, you know, they, they got something from it. I've got something from it. And it was really the music, you know, no matter, I mean, I could sit here and say, oh, it was because of this or that, but I don't know, it's just the way it played out. That's how. It's funny because, um, believe it or not, I think I've told you this maybe a couple of times, but I don't think I've said it enough. When you came back and we were like, hey, man, why don't we do a couple of songs together? Mm -hmm. Um, And we did, but just listening to you actually influenced me to do that more because it's a form of expression that I don't think anybody could fully understand unless you do it. Right. Uh, it's not demeaning any other form of um, any avenue that anybody else chooses to use, but it's just something about opening a notebook, writing it down, and trying to synchronize it to a track. But not just to do that, but putting all elements in there, how you feel, what exactly what you want to say, how you want this to rhyme with that, how you want this to fall here in this in this particular bar, like it's it's methodical. And I remember one time we recorded and the way that you approached it, it wasn't something you didn't do it nonchalantly. It was more like a science to it. And um and one thing I didn't realize back then, uh, which I had told you recently, I didn't understand how important it was for your breathing. Right. And because I used to think, like, how is it that a guy as big as Biggie can be long-winded enough to spit some bars, but he knew how to breathe? And it doesn't matter. It like it doesn't matter your size. It's just it's a technique, and all that infused in what you did. At that moment, I was like, yo, something changed you. And I knew at that moment that music had a major influence on you because I actually saw the process. Right. And then and then that was the difference, too, because growing up, I had friends who were always trying to rap. And, you know, they, 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 they were right and they were dedicated to writing, but they just didn't have like they didn't sound like they would be the person to rap or their breath was off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we would try to explain that. And then I had met a couple of friends who it's like they, they, they got into this persona. They had got into like, you know, and then you, and that's something that I later like kind of learned, but it's like you into character, you get into a character too, where you're trying to, you know, sound a certain way, or you know, you're trying to portray a certain image. So you want to sound a certain way, you try to work on your your voice. And that was something that I've always heard too, you know, keep working on your voice, keep working on your voice, and you know, a lot of the people being influences at the time, you know, you don't you don't want to sound like oh another Little Wayne or another, mm-hmm. you know, you want to be, you want to sound like you. You want people to say oh yeah you got your own sound, and you know it's it's good when you get compared to people, I think, because you know they could hear them through you, which is also one of the biggest things that I find, which is kind of like, you know, it aligns you and that person in some way. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you, you made this person an idol or you looked up to this person either through his music or some way. Like, for instance, you and Common. And it's crazy because if you look at Common, I could compare you to Common. And I know Common is one of your, like, he's one of your biggest influence when it comes to music. Yeah. So, 
like you know it's this it's this demeanor that comes with it and it's just it's, it's, it's interesting it's very interesting how it works but yeah so who were your primary influences I, I would say the biggest right now would probably be Big Crit mm-hmm. J. Cole Kendrick Eminem Lupe that, those would probably be right off the top but the influences that's that's speaking just on a music level mm-hmm. I guess influences would probably be the people that I surround myself with probably JP for Derek you know my brother you you know influences I look at the people around me because it's crazy because a lot of the times people you ask anybody that and they'll probably think the same thing you know they'll probably want to say somebody big or somebody like you know but it's like people that would like the people that you're working with now you know what are people doing to get to the next step how are people trying to get to the next step and that's something that we've kind of been like me and my friends have been talking about so you know being leaders you know I guess the local artists that are here you know there's a lot of local artists here in Augusta and a lot of them are like you know hitting the scene pretty hard and the platform that has been set is a pretty solid platform right now yeah and I know you with with create that's like that's one of the platforms you know there's a fresco and friends um they got a bunch of ways you know it's not even necessarily have to do with rapping or music but it's it's more elements to it it's more elements than just you know music it's a, it's, it's way bigger than yeah. that but i mean the influences mm, i just my past i try to let my past be my influence from everything that has happened yeah I know, because um, when you're judging from, and this is one thing that <laughs> I always enjoy uh, about you was that I understand how it feels to be the youngest. Mm-hmm. Understand what it feels like for your oldest sibling to look at what you're doing and be like, you could you could be doing this, you could be doing that. Like when I went to uh, Arkansas after um, high school, uh, my sister Tasha. She wrote me like a two-page letter. And this is after I had been there for almost five or six months. I, I didn't have a job. I had got um, like a severe cold like two or three times in a row. And I I remember sleeping for like 12 straight hours to the point my body just ached. And I, I wasn't doing anything. And that letter came just in time. But that's that was all, that was, that's how she communicated with me. With me. And when you're young, you're like, man, I want to hear all that. I want to live my life. Get out of my way. You don't know because this is this is my life. Right. Um, but I always sympathize with that because I know how it feels to be in the eye of somebody that cares about you, but they just want what's best for you. But we can't understand that when we're busy trying to figure things out and make our own decisions. And I always understood that. And to see that and to see where you were to where you are now, I was like, he made it. And it's not that I ever doubted you, but I just knew that it would be a process that you finally get to the point like this is this is the foundation that I've built 
I'm building my legacy, my legacy for one day if I have a family or if I uh, build a, um, an opportunity for somebody else to use another platform or whatever. But it's something that you as ruler created, something that when people see it, it be associated with you. And um, speaking of which, you had uh, released, uh, what year was that? Were you released overdue? 2014. 2014. And um, I remember listening to it and I was like, wow. Like, I, I, I still love it to this day um, because it is an extension of you and it's, it's this, um, it's a piece that you put together that like solidify you as an artist. Uh, for those of you who are listening, um, Ruler put out a EP um, four years ago um, titled Overdue. And um, if you haven't heard it already, please do. I mean, it's a, <laughs> it is a metaphoric illustration of his mental process and um, what he felt encouraged uh, to uh, portray in musical form. And um, I forgot what's the name of that song. It's my favorite one. Um, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? The motivation? Yes. Yeah. That's my favorite one because it's so hype. And it was so timely for the current generation because that's how it felt. And I remember telling you it has that sound of an alarm system. Like you have to wake up. And the concept of being woke, like it was, it was so cool. And what you were saying is like you were the voice of the um, the revolution, of the modern revolution, of kids wanting to just do what they want to do and make their own decisions. And I felt that, so I really appreciated that as a listener and how you conducted that album. But ever since you created it. Do you how did how did things change for you since then? Well, I expected some like I expected a change or I expected some type of change, but it wasn't something that happened fast at all. Mm-hmm. It was something that was long, and then I think the change, you know, happened not that long ago. You know, I think a lot happened after that time where I was trying to figure out what was going on and you know, how I could continue to be creative. And I was taking some time off of school, working. So, you know, I was trying to like, I ended up doing a bunch of stuff. I ended up doing a bunch of stuff, I guess living my life, you know, trying to better myself as an individual in society. And just, you know, trial and error living you learn type of stuff on an everyday basis and then finally you know I've looking back at it I think I I really enjoyed it I think I should have probably took my time with it as far as quality because the quality on it wasn't all that but I knew I wanted to attack it I knew I wanted to continue so I started to try to grow my foundation I started to try to grow my network I started trying to do something that was gonna, you know, somehow not let me let it go to waste or just be something that was a memory. Cause I've always, you know, been very into hip hop. And I just decided to go back to school. 
I decided to go back to school and took some classes. And I was trying to figure out, you know, was trying to always was talking and networking with people, trying to figure out how. And, and I think at the time it wasn't even about making music. It was more about feeling this, uh, feeling this role, per mm-hmm. se. Like you know, you speak like you had to be, you had to be it to become it, or you had to act like it to become it in a sense. Yeah. Cause I, I felt like I wasn't motivated. I felt like I was like you know what am I doing wrong? But after time and you know figuring out what was what was the the real key element behind it was the grind, man. The grind and the work. Actually sitting down. Actually sitting down and you know wanting to put something out, wanting to be a voice, wanting to be different, you know. Uh, you can sit there and say, say all day long, but without the work and the effort, you know, you're not going to get any results. So that was really how I was able to kind of like see what needed to be done. And then once once I started following, and you know that drive, it was crazy because there was a point in time where every morning, you know, before I feel like I got, I've become more stable. But at one point in time, from since I've been back from Texas, there was a point in time where I was unstable, where I was like, you know, trying to figure out what I was doing and living from my aunt's house, going staying with friends and you know my brother's house and just trying to do too much and it kind of drained me it drained me and you know it kind of made me want to chill out what I'm hearing is the evolution of Rula Rula is speaking about the moment he became aware of him becoming more becoming bigger than what he was at that moment and I think not just with men, but anybody in general in your life, the moment you become aware, things change. And just from having a personal relationship with him, I've been able to see that. And I think that's one of the biggest accomplishments, if anything. And and it's starting to filter into his work, into his livelihood as he gets older and more experienced. So keep listening to episode 34 of the glory in our stories featuring the talented Rula. So that came with a lot. That came with a lot of like lessons because I ended up catching a charge. I ended up, you know, it, it was not the best outcome. And, you know, I'm trying to figure out why, why things are going the way they are. And I'm trying to, and it, it, it got hard. It got hard. But, yeah. I mean, I didn't never stop. Or, you know, and then it was crazy because there was a lot of incidents that happened that could have made me just like, man, like the last thing on my mind was making music, you know? Yeah. But always going back to, always going back to what got me through the very first time. I mean, whenever I moved back and whenever I decided to pursue music was was because I was dealing with a breakup or I was going through something you know I had just left my friends I left everything I left my whole life type of stuff it was mm-hmm. that type of 
you know, I literally got up and left and I was just gone and never came back. Eventually came back, but that was like probably like five years later and, you know, a whole different person. So to get through that, it, it helped that my brother and them was there because my brother and his girlfriend, Antoinette, at the time, before they got married, were, you know, like big brother and sister. I couldn't do nothing type of stuff. And it was crazy because you, know, you know how they were raised. Mm. So they were trying to be the best example. And then I just moved back. So I really didn't try to get out much, you know. I really took this time to, like, absorb everything on, like, me, who I was, what I needed to do, kind of, and it was, it was crazy, it was crazy that it worked out like that, you know, at times I look back and I'm just like, man, I hated the times where I was wanting to put work in or wanting to be creative, and I got signs or like, you know, notes all over the wall or in the mirror saying, you know, write, don't drop your pen, you know, reminding me to do it, and I would never do it, you know, I would never do it, and I would always compare myself, compare myself, but I never stopped, I never stopped believing, I never stopped believing in my talent and, my, and who I was and how creative I could be and how, you know, artistic and I don't know, I just felt like it was like I've always been that type of person to give my all. Only like if I put my heart in it. Mm-hmm. So what? at what point were you like, man, or was it ever a point? Be like, yo, I I have to do something. Like I have to I have to change this mindset that I'm in and I have to take that first step. Was it ever that pivotal moment for you or is that still a process? I think it, it did occur, like I don't know, there's just I think there's milestones in your life or certain you know, certain checkpoints in your life or certain chapters, whatever you call it that you'll come to a point where you'll have to make a change or you'll have to, it's kind of like a, a snake when it sheds its skin. It sheds its skin every so often. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to shed the old self off continuously. I don't think it's something that's always going to be permanent. I think it's something that, you know, because we are not perfect. I feel like we stray away and sometimes we just got to get back to what we know, but, you know, yeah, it can get, get deep, but um, I think the first time that it happened was when I decided to leave Texas. I wanted better for myself, you know, and I did, you know, I ended up moving, started fresh, started new. Everything that everybody was so at, like, you know, trying to do, being in, you know, trying everything, partying, doing everything, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can imagine it. I probably did it. And I was just like, you know, I'm going to just sit back. I don't want to do none of that no more. I just want to, you know, just be me. I want to get my head right. And I was sober. I was sober for over two years. I didn't do nothing. And I just wanted to, you know, find myself and it was crazy because in the midst of that you know trying to do better for myself there was times where I was encountered where I encountered situations where that brought me back or that brought um, memories from the past or you know certain 
flashbacks that like gave me a feeling of this you know negativity but you know knowing that I was able to free myself from that really you know helped me really pulled me in a sense you know like this is what I need to be doing or this is what needs to be done and then over time you know I guess you gotta live, you gotta learn, you gotta experience. And with experience, it's not always gonna be perfect, you know? You gotta try something for the first time, you might not make it or it might not be as great. So the same, you can imagine the same thing with my decisions. And you know, I'm living my life and I think the second time that it happened was when my uncle passed away. Mm-hmm. And that was crazy because I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting what happened to what happened, you know? Like seeing my aunt and them, like my aunt, when I walked in, you know, it was his weight. My aunt was talking to him, like, she, like if it was, like, delusional. Mm-hmm. And she was like, look who came to see you. And it was just crazy. And, you know, I remember the guy was telling us that, you know, Everybody handles it differently or copes with it differently. And he was telling us the steps of death, you know, on how we take it, how we end up coping with it. And there was seven steps to the coping process. And he said some people, it might hit them immediately. Some people, it might take them years before it hits them. And I don't know what kind of effect it gave me, but I remember it was this this transition definitely happened. And it was painful, not painful, but I can say it was painful. It was, it just was, cause I was like, basically you can be cut down at any time, you know, it's, it's bit staying humble, yeah. kind of going back to that and kind of just, you know, really worrying about what needs to be worried about because there's a bunch of stuff where we get sidetracked or where we just too caught up with things that aren't relevant and then you're doing too much trying to you know when we're we're beyond blessed and I was talking that I was talking about that with JP the other day and he was he said because he recently he recently went to China on a study abroad trip and he was talking about how they eat in small portions and how it's looked, how since he's been back, how he looks at the food process here and how we're to be like stuffing our face. That's how it kind of, that's like, that's the image that they sell us, you know, that we got to be eating or stuffing our face. And he's like, yeah. one meal is enough. One meal is enough a day. And there's people who are, you know, that's all they have. So, you know, it's a lot. I think that there's currently, you know, there's still, you know, I I feel I'm 25, you know, about to be 26 in less than half a year. I, I you know, we grow up fast. They tell us don't try to grow up, you know, and I never understood why. And he said, you'll understand when you get older. <laughs> and we understand now. So what's your... Um What's your mindset on the the current high generation and how they are handling 
life. Um, because right now, everybody's saying, which is pretty true, there's so many distractions nowadays, uh, primarily through um, technology. But I mean, that's that's always going to be there. But do you do you think it's more difficult now, being being young, and trying to make better decisions than it was, like a couple of years ago? Is it more difficult now? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so because we're we're stuffed with this like these we we're fed. We're fed through the media outlets, you know, so many decisions that they're basically the the technology is thinking for us now. So a lot of the times the technology can get in the way of the youth or the younger generation who haven't even reached the point to where they, you know, want to know who they themselves are, you know, so there is this identity crisis. There is this gender role crisis. There is this, you know, sexual identity crisis type of thing that I would say from what is being fed to us and you know, a lot of individuals are confused, I would say. That makes me think, um, for me personally, it took me a while to finally be comfortable with who and what I was. I was just talking with uh, Dominique Bond, who uh, does uh, local events for um, the youth, of uh, trying to develop self-empowerment at a younger age and I was telling him man that a lot of things that you're teaching these kids I didn't learn till maybe a couple of years ago and he made a good point he said it doesn't always have to it shouldn't have to be that way and I was like you're right it shouldn't so being exposed to stuff like that at a younger age would help but back then no one was help offering that assistance and if they were it was being offered probably to another demographic, um, being in a um, like in a local income ha um, family, uh, being in a small town, you know that that sort of accessibility is isn't there. It was it was, it was just preached to us that you just do well, keep your grades up, and you can go to college, find a job, and then you'll be off. But no one taught us how to be ourselves. Right, and to feed off something that's innate in all of us, and it appears that what was innate in you is just not just music, but it's just this overall. And I've learned this: you have an overall concern for just people in general. You don't have, you never shown any bias or any sort of bigotry. It's just you are a human being, and you always had a knack for trying to understand other people's point of views. And that's one thing that I enjoyed. Um, and it's funny because you're, you're part of the, you were part of the black union, the black student uh, union. Black student union. Yeah. And it's so, and that was so cool. But me knowing who you are, I was like, that fits you. Um, but, but from the outside, people would think, Oh, what's, what's the Mexican doing in a black student union? But, you were in a position where you were 
very open-minded and you had a broad perspective but you were willing to learn more and I wish that it was more of that not just here in the south but you know in general yeah yeah man and that was one of the at the at the time it was crazy because the organization was being ran by Kiana she was the president and I know for Derek was a vice president. And mm-hmm. then I had ended up meeting for Derek, and you know, we're talking. And you know, I'm doing my researches through everything, always trying to find a way to fit hip hop in, you know, any kind of point of view, perspective, or different way to study the interdisciplinary research of hip hop. Mm-hmm. I was trying to connect it with school. So I wasn't, you know, Board, and one of the things that I came across was the empowering, you know, or the you know, lifting each other up, or like the 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 groups that they would have from the kids who were either foster kids or uh, group home kids, and then they it was a it was a it was a certain not a recreation. It was just a, it was a thing that they did. And that's what they basically did. They let them tell their stories and get up on, you know, and share their stories with them. Mm-hmm. And what we later learned is that it was a, a cathartic, yeah. cathartic way to, you know, release this emotion or express this emotion. So you were, I guess the, the perfect example for me to say is just break this chain of you know suppression of hurt or you know whatever it may have been that you were holding on to and it was like helping so my friend for Derek ended up having the position offered to him as being his president mm-hmm. where I had put I had I remember talking with him I remember talking with him and I was just big on trying to you know be of help I was trying to be big of help, and you know he really wanted to be the president, and he he was like, man, I really want to be the president of this organization. I, this is what I want to do, and then I was like, man, I'm willing to you know be there and help you, you know, as much as they are. And then at the time, I was also trying to look at it differently because I was like, it's so crazy how black and white is actually something that existed, you know, or like, oh, you know. This is the black class, or this is the black people, this is the white people. Like, why did we, like, can you imagine? And I was trying to look at it with why, the, like, you know, what, how could one be called black? Like, I was trying to take race away from it, but from my questioning, or from my, you know, from my experience, or from what I've learned, you know, you can't take, you can't take race away from black. You know, that's something that comes with that. But I was able to, you know, look at it differently and understand why. But it was something that I was trying to learn more about. And at the time, I was trying to help my friend. You know, you're like, man, I'm here for you, and I'm willing to do whatever it is to make sure that you have this organization this organization run right. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even ten of us, man. It was like six of us. It was just the it was just the the the, the panel of the organization, and then mm-hmm. they had a one of the staff members that was the administrator to the organization. So we did a lot of footwork. We did a lot of promoting. We did a lot, man. And I was there because I was like, man, if I'm not here to help, I'm basically here to like I'm hurting you. 
Yeah. That's how I was always looking at them. And I was being, you know, that brother. I was being, like, I was serving. And then they started, you know, I wanted to do for others as I wanted them to meet, you know? So that's what I did, man. I put a lot of work in. I put a lot of work in with Black Student Union. And my friend, you know, brother, member of Kingsview, he was a big asset. You know, he was a big connection for me. So what is it that um so what is it that you learned from that, seeing that you had recently graduated and did you have any personal um aspirations in connection with that and what you what you learned and what you plan on applying um in the future? Mm, I do want it to be something like up under my portfolio. I do want it to be listed in my resume that I was a part of the Black Student Union, and I want them to know why. I do want them to know why. I was, you know, uh, I want to be known as a hip hop scholar. I want to, I have, because the, the perfect person to use is Adam Deal, professor, mm -hmm. you know, and lecturer. He's actually an academic, a hip hop academic, but I wish I, I, I knew as much as he did, but I don't. But I try to, like, you know, evolve everything with school regarding hip-hop and I was able to open doors and studies that led me into uh, performance studies and it, was, it led me into different classes which were no longer classes to me after what I was learning it was just mm -hmm. platforms in order for me to give my opinion with the people who were going to be the future of Augusta or the people who were the future engineers, future, you know, astronauts. It was just crazy. It was the way that I was just looking at it. And that was a platform for me to share my opinion, my voice, and to do what the teacher was requiring for us to do. But I was I was going beyond the what is the thing called? The the over what's the overview of the course called? Um, the syllabi, the syllabus. The syllabus, yeah. Yeah, I was going beyond the syllabus, man. I was just thinking, like, on a bigger level. And it was one class that kind of opened my eyes to that. Advanced public speaking. Mm -hmm. The It was the first time that the professor was trying it on. So we were, like, his first class to try what he wanted to do, but he basically gamified the classroom. He gamified the classroom, and he now... Like we were, every time we came into class, it, like the first week, it was just like rules. He was explaining all the rules and how it was gonna work. So mm -hmm. after that first week, it was like we were split up into groups. These groups were known as families, and you had either two, two moves that you can do with each turn or which with each roll of dice. So your family had five individuals, and y'all all had a, a position or mm -hmm. a job. And that job involved two moves. So you could either do one thing or do the opposite. And I was a pirate or somebody who pirated or defended against piracy. So the whole semester I defended against piracy. The whole semester. And my family ended up being the poorest. We were the poorest in the class. Like the whole semester, man. <laughs> and at the time I was going through the charge, getting caught up with the pool stick. Yeah. They basically got me for stealing a pool stick, but long story short, you know, I ended up taking the stick, but the stick didn't belong to me. Yeah. But uh, it was a bunch of bull crap, but, you know, I had to pay for it. 
And with that, I I wanted to, like, I, I, the way I was looking at it in this class, it was like, you know, they're giving me the opportunity to steal in a game, in class. And the way I look at things is crazy. I look at things like I go, it goes way over my head, if you want to call it. Like, I look at it way, like, critical. I look at it like, oh, it's the system, and it's, I've always been this conspiracy theorist type of person. And I was just like, you know, they're... It's not a classroom. This is because school is so. It's a university. It's a what is it? It's, what's the other word that they call it? Is it an institution? An institution. Yeah. So, you know, we're being. The way I seen it is we're being studied. You know, these are professionals. You know, and then at the time, the whole school was going through the whole renovation, and every classroom was getting a camera. And I'm just wondering. And I'm like, you know, it's crazy. I feel like we're being studied, and with that being said, you know I'm getting, I'm being given this option to either steal or protect against stealing. And the whole semester, I'm just protecting against stealing. My family gets upset, or the school, the students, my members, the, my classmates, they're getting upset. Like, man, why aren't you protecting, or like, why aren't you stealing? Everybody else is stealing. We're trying to get money. We're the poorest family. You might as well just steal, no matter what. And there was this one girl who she had a nasty attitude the whole time and she didn't want to be in our group. And then whenever they split us up and she found out she was in our group, she was like, oh, they got all the smart people. And like, you know, that's how, like, you know, uh -huh. she was real nasty. Yeah. But even then, at the very end of the semester, man, she didn't show up and it was just us. And when I walked in, they all applauded me. And I was showing up with a bag of ice and I was like, what happened, man? And he was like, y'all won. Your team won. And I was like, how did that happen? He was like, yeah, we all donated our money to you. We thought it would be funny. So they in, in, they were basically trying to be funny, like making me the joke by donating all my mo the money to me. But it was crazy because I was just looking at it like, that's what y'all think. But in actuality, I, like, I humbled myself to not even steal in a game that I was, you know, in the, in the end, I was exalted in a sense. Yeah. Because I was actually, you know, and I explained that in the end of the, the overview of the course whenever we had to do the... The summary or the, what is it called? The survey. Yeah. We had to do the survey and I explained that. I explained that, that, you know, a lot of people might have not been looking at it like that. Because we were, we had, a, we had to do speeches and when we got in front of the class to do the speeches, they weren't ordinary speeches. It was like we were these uh, uh, government officials of this new world that we just created. Like we went down history and we recreated events. And we were now living in a certain world that we were like the poli we were the political officials or the people making laws and the the speeches that we gave and what we did and how we got to use texts, text being different uh, materials like you know research or mm -hmm. art articles. And I remember I took I used uh, one of Tupac's. Uh, Intros, which was the, the changes we need to start eating. It was from his change song, mm -hmm. the part where he's like, you know, we need to start changing the way we eat, changing the way we dress ourselves, changing the, you know. Mm -hmm. And I had used that in the speech, and then I ended up writing the speech that needed to, you know, fit the requirements to the assignment, and it was just so interesting, you know. And I, I it was crazy because I remember telling the when the teacher was coming across the whole classroom asking everybody, I was like, I want to be the voice of the generation. Yeah. The girl laughed. And I was like, yeah, that's what I want to be, the voice of the generation. And 
It's funny. I was in a classroom and I we were I was studying writing, and I said out loud, "I feel like I was born to do this." And one of my classmates was like, "I don't I don't know if I was born to do this, but." And I was like, but she didn't understand what writing did to me, what writing did for me. And obviously they didn't understand what this meant for you. But it is funny, if you would have never had that charge, you would have never viewed it that way. Right. And y'all would have lost. But because of your experience, you had that perspective. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't understand that. And, and that's one thing coming from my past and coming from a lot of like the alternative schools and you know people always and it's crazy because the laws are, are laws but at the same time laws can be used against you or be manipulated to work against you so one of the biggest things that I learned was never incriminate yourself so that's the way I'm looking at it I already am this minority in this you know US that has issues with you know, minorities, why would I want to portray something? And it wasn't until I had a different class where I portrayed something different, which is interesting. We could probably talk about it later, but that class, I didn't. That class, I just, I was like, you know, I'm not going to, if I have, like, it was just like point blank to me. I'm like, I'm seeing they either going to view me as a person who steals or somebody who doesn't steal. And the whole time, I just decided not to do that at all. Because I wasn't thinking about the class. I was thinking about how the professor was going to look at me or how, like, you know, what this said about my character. Mm-hmm. And that did, that did come from experience. So, uh, but to sum everything up, which you probably, in a way, um, answered, but if you could, in probably one statement, what would you say is the glory in your story? I got to see 25. <laughs> yeah, man. A lot of people that go through the situations or that have been through what I've been through probably don't make it to see 25. You know, I was the odd. I was the odd. I was, you know, either supposed to be dead or in jail. That's how I look at it. So, you know, being able to breathe, be here, you know, be a part of something that's bigger than me is probably the glory in the story. To be able to be an instrument. I believe that's one of the, that's probably the biggest accomplishment everyone can come to or achieve is realizing that I'm being used for something bigger than me. And that's something that I realized a couple of years ago. And you're realizing this now, seven years younger. And I think that's that's the epitome of it all, is realizing that. But, uh, Rula, I want to thank you uh, for your time. It's always a pleasure speaking uh, with you because you always end up saying something that um, it blows my mind. Like, wow, I never thought of it that way. And I think that's the point of having conversations is to develop that different perspective because most of us are not open-minded to what anybody else has to say. Because if it opposes our personal belief, we want nothing to do with it. 
but that's the issue is that people are upset because no one wants to even consider how they think or how they view things um but for those of you all who are listening um i'm sure that a ruler is going to be he's he's doing a lot of things he's one of the most creative people that i've met and the most inspiring um he's inspired me in so many ways um i can't um i can't express uh, my words will never be enough uh, to say the influence that not only he has on me but his brother and his nephews um and everybody that he has come in contact with uh, but he is uh, definitely a beacon um in this uh our generation so thank you all for listening um to episode 34 of the glory in our stories uh this is calvin Kennewell jr with rula peace out